This is the Blatcast. A sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world. With the Mario Brothers and Plumbing's a game. We're not like the others who get all the fame. If your sick is in trouble, you can call us on the double. We're faster than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. So hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure and remarkable feats. You'll meet the Coopers, the Troopers, the Princess, and the others. Hanging with the plumbers, you'll be hooked on the brothers to the Now, here's Christian Blatt. Welcome to a very exciting Koopa-tastic <laughs> Blackcast. It is our Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And uh, joined by uh, two great friends, great fellow broadcasters, hosts extraordinaire. I am uh, very excited to talk about this movie with our pal, Caitlin Cornell. Thank what you, up? Kate, for being on. I'm so uh, when, we, when we talked D D last week, I didn't realize we'd be having you back so quickly. I'm glad that uh, you're always uh, ready to join us. And a, a uh, returning champion, uh, Mr. Eric Nagel of It's Eric Nagel, and uh, would you kindly and uh, all all the great things over there at the uh, the Eric Nagel Network, as it were. Eric, thank you for taking the time. Yes, this is not the Eric you wanted, but this is the Eric that you need. <laughs> this is the Eric we deserve. Oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, that's all right because uh, I'm sure. Uh, Did you just Eric become Connors Nanny be McPhee? Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, Frederick Ross wants to know: Are we live? We are. We are. We're live. This isn't. Uh, this isn't recorded. This isn't can. Uh, it should case, be, but it's not. It's yes. not. So uh, a lot of excitement about the movie, uh, and uh, I had I, I talked a little bit about this. Uh, I think last week that this was going to be the plan. I went and saw the movie with uh, my kids, but it was actually part of a, a whole birthday party. So it, there was a combination. My son's friend was turning eight, and then that kid's brother was turning 11. So there were a lot of kids uh, at the theater. The uh, Cinemark in North Hollywood, Kate, you, perhaps you know it. Oh, yeah. Uh, for Very a 10.30 a.m. showing where there were slushies and candy and popcorn and all the oh, stuff at that time of the day. Um, and... Uh, Eric, I know that uh, your uh, child is uh, small, and uh, you haven't probably done any movie-going experiences yet. So you have not yet. You have the good experiences ahead of you of getting to, you know, just turn and look up at the screen and look back at your kid and like, oh my god, it's magic. Well, I've hit the point now where uh, my wife and I were sitting way off in the back and the side, and they were just, you know, sitting with all the other kids. Uh, so, you know, we were definitely uh, we were definitely second class citizens at this particular view. That's of not the Super Mario Brothers. Film. That's not bad. Where if you're going and, and whether they they meet their friends there or if you're bringing some of their friends with them and they want to sit, that's fine and unacceptable. I get that. It's when. It's supposed to be like, you know, dad takes the kids to the movies and then they still don't want to sit with you and you're just sitting there alone by yourself. And while they're <laughs> off, just the two of them are over there and like, this doesn't make any sense, but whatever it is, what it is. I, I just didn't expect it to happen so soon. Uh, I had a, I had a few birthday parties uh, at movie theaters, uh, re-releases of both uh, of both Superman 
the first Christopher Reeve and uh, Return of the Jedi uh, because I'm old. That's uh, Kate's doing the math in her head. She's like, oh, oh these gosh, were yeah. for you. These were your yeah, yeah. birthdays. Uh, those oh, were my birthday parties. Okay. But the first I time I say, remember not. Kid, these kids don't want to see the original Superman, but now it makes a lot of sense. No, but uh, but Return of the Jedi will be in theaters later this month. And even though my son's already seen it, uh, I'll, I'll uh, entice him with a, a slushie and a popcorn, which I think is a very healthy way to approach uh, bribery. Also but, $20 just for that. Also $20 just for that. Yeah. So the uh, the first time I remember not wanting to sit with my parents uh, and I didn't realize I was going to start here, but I just was thinking about it was uh, Robocop. I really wanted to sit by myself and I would have been 11 and uh, perhaps I should not have, you know, even been seeing that movie at 11, but uh, I was just like, Oh man, my brother wasn't there. It was just me and my parents. And I'm like, but can I, can I sit somewhere else? So uh, I guess uh, my son being almost eight, uh, it was at a birthday party. Uh, you know, usually I'm the one in charge of the popcorn. Though. So maybe maybe I, I've still got a few good movie going uh, years left. Kate, do you have any kind of memories of, uh, you know, there's that point where you, you, know, you see pretty much every movie with your parents up until a point in life. And was there like, can I see this without them? Or is there is there something that comes to mind? No, not really, because I took the bus home from from middle school and high school. Yeah. So I would stop at the movie theater on the way back home. That's beautiful. And, I love and that. Go, and go see a movie on my way home. On um, home, not going to school. Yeah, yeah. on the way yeah. home, not going to school. <laughs> yeah, instead of going to school. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so that's what I did. And I remember when I was in high school, it was when uh, Chronicles of Narnia and Prince Caspian had, were coming out. And I would just see those like on repeat. I think I saw Chronicles of Narnia in the theater, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, like I think six times. Wow. Just because there was nothing else to do. And, and like uh, that was like the movie theaters were made for like kids who didn't know where to go after school and didn't have any after school programming. They were just like go to a movie theater for two hours and then your parents would be home. So you saw that in the theater six times. And yeah. uh, if you're such a fan, I'm going to assume uh, you also saw Prince Caspian in the theater six times. Like like five times. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was joking. I can't believe that. Uh, I was not expecting yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I liked that movie a lot. Yeah, and uh, they uh, they stopped making them shortly thereafter. Uh, Eric, do you have any uh, memories of uh, wanting? They to made Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and then they stopped. That's the one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eric, do you have memories of wanting to see something without your parents, wanting to go by yourself, or you know, it could even be like an R-rated movie, you know, things like that. Like I, I had to. I had to do the old uh, buy tickets for a different movie when I would go with my friend Dan and we would go see horror movies. Uh, you know, we couldn't actually buy tickets to the movie we wanted. Um, I don't remember going to the movies with my parents that much. I remember twice going and mm -hmm. it was because of, of the situation surrounding the movie, not because I went with my parents and, and it was like a, a memorable experience with them. One is that they took me to see Godfather 3. Oh my god! Right? Oh, wow! I was twelve when this movie came out, so and I had not <laughs> seen the other two, but we oh. went to this theater uh, out on. Uh, well, that movie make no sense if you don't see the first two. I know, right? So <laughs> they're going through there, and it, but it was like it was. And a it's huge... just Al Pacino screaming. But nobody had seen the movie yet, so this was a major deal, especially you know in the New York yeah. City, Long Island area. Every Italian yeah. that thinks that they're connected to the mafia or something like that was all showing up for this thing. We go to see the movie at a, a Comac movie theater because the other theaters were all sold out. 
and then the next night like there was a shooting at that place like we were oh just there god. the night before oh my god and then uh the other movie was jurassic park which came out i think like 90 93 three oh, yeah somewhere in yeah that right like 93 i think um, and the only reason I remember that is because um, this was the United Artists Theater out in Patchogue, which no longer exists. But they had a, a big specialty theater at the end of the row of all the other theaters. And that's where they would do the big blockbuster or the major movie releases were right. in that theater. They had wired up and it was like the first time I've ever had this experience. They wired up the seating and the sounds for the this is the original Jurassic Park. So yeah. you're feeling the jolts and stuff in the seats behind oh, you, cool. like uh, the, the infamous scene where the uh, they're looking at the water glass and you're seeing the ripples. And then all of a sudden the yeah. eye looks down. Right. So you're feeling that in the seat. They had extra speakers up on the wall like they were oh, just figuring cool. this technology out with. Spielberg figuring out that technology for creating the dinosaurs, which, by the way, that CGI is over 30 years old. And so oh, that wow. looks better than some of the movies that are out now. If you it, it, like oh. the, the Jurassic Parks that are out now with the dinosaurs running and the super Tyrannosaurus Rex and everything <laughs> and go, this still looks clunky. That one was over 30 years ago. And that still looks amazing when they look up and you see all the dinosaurs out in the in the in the park the the brontosaurus eating the pterodactyls flying by and you're like oh my god it looks fantastic um those were the only two movies i remember actually going with my parents um to go see a, a, a an r-rated movie i actually skipped out on a field trip they took nice. us in seventh grade to see dances with wolves right wow okay. seventh grade that movie's over three hours good luck trying to get kids in, well, however <laughs> old you are in seventh grade to sit in a movie theater for three hours watching this boring yeah. piece of shit with kevin costner <laughs> like um, 13 right. 14 year old. i was yeah. in there for like maybe 15 minutes Dances went to the bathroom classic went to the bathroom with a couple other kids and we realized total recall was in the oh, theater down the, the, down the way so we snuck in there and watched total recall finished the movie came back and dances with wolves was still going and came back in <laughs> nobody knew that we we weren't there so i saw the other movie and i saw the heads and tails of uh dances with wolves and that was, I was like screw this i went from one i think it was an r-rated movie to another r-rated movie yeah well that that's the interesting funny. thing though because you and your friends had the experience of taking a field trip to see three boobs on one one humanoid i guess and whereas yeah. the rest of them were like oh, i don't know it was this uh that's all have, have you since about. seen dances with wolves uh in the years since then Eric? um i think maybe late <laughs> 90s i i watched sure. it i had a, a friend in college that was obsessed with Kevin Costner, he loved Tin Cup, his golf oh, movie. Sure. So oh, he yeah. was watching. I go, I haven't seen Dances Wolf, and that was like a, almost a decade at that part. And I watch. I'm like, nope, <laughs> this is still boring. I, I don't care about history like this. It just doesn't matter. You, you always knew the long movies in the the days of VHS when they came on, and, and the movies. Yeah, one yeah, movie was on more pack. than was on more than one cassette. Yeah, and uh, my wife talks a lot about watching Titanic. Titanic came on, on a VHS, double movie set, and. They only liked the first tape. They didn't yeah. want to watch the second tape because they're like, the well, second tape happens. is the best part. Well, no, the second for, tape is where yeah. the ship sinks and everyone dies. Yes. Yeah, I was, I was going to say for Chris, us, it's the best part. You know, the story uh, about, uh, I never told you the story where I got into a fight at Titanic. 
know. I wish I knew that story. Okay. But I think I'm about to so learn it. <laughs> where, where, whenever Titanic came out, I think if you I came was... here looking for Super Mario Brothers. You were sadly it's coming. mistaken. It's coming. <laughs> getting there. I'm sorry. It's coming. Um, the I think Titanic came out like 97, 98, somewhere yeah, in there. Right. I know I was in college. We were home from college. I was with uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and my best friend had his girlfriend at the time, and we went to see Titanic. So now the ship's starting to fall apart, right? It's the and break, yeah. It, there's some, well, before the break, there's a oh. scene where the, the, the boat started like this. It's sitting forever. All of a sudden, it starts to go like this, right? Yeah, yeah People yeah. are falling off the, the boat, right? And there's yeah. this scene where a guy, like the boat goes up like this, and the guy falls off the back and then hits, and the, hits propeller, the propeller. And you hear the bing, and then and he goes spinning down into the ground, right? So I'm trying not to laugh, but I'm laughing because it's it's very funny. And then there's the part where the boat breaks. You hear that like the metal's bending, and then it snaps in half and falls onto all these people. And you're seeing come there, and I'm laughing. This girl who's sitting like a row or two in front of us with her boyfriend keeps like telling us to shush and everything. I'm laughing. My friend's laughing. She <laughs> she gets up at she, at one point. She just had enough. She gets up. She hucks her soda at me. So oh it goodness. hits me right here in the chest and then but it hits here and then the soda lid and everything goes like that and hits me in the face now. Right. So I'm sitting there like this. And my friend's laughing at the movie, laughing at me, but he's also amazed that this happened. Yeah. So now the girls start standing up and screaming at him and I look at him. I'm like, he's going to get up now. So now we're going to have oh, a yeah. problem here. He's going to have to. Yeah. He gets up, grabs his girlfriend, doesn't even do anything. So we're not even, like we're, I, I'm expecting we're gonna have to fight this guy. And she's yelling, she's whatever. They they, they get the um, ushers or whatever they're called. They, yeah. they come down yeah, to the ushers. theater, and they they take us all outside, and we're explaining what happened. I'm covered in in sprite, you know, like <laughs> thank God it was clear. Yeah. And she's going off like this, and she's blaming us, and we're ruining the movie. And they want their money back. They wind up refunding our movie so i didn't see the ending in the theater and the uh, ship kate, thinks everyone dies just yeah. a spoiler alert well <laughs> now you went and ruined it kate <laughs> there's no point anymore uh, now i now i know it's all yeah. forever ruined. but yeah they gave us the money back she wound up getting uh, they wound up getting kicked out didn't get their money back but well, uh fun, oh th fun stories at the movie theater usually that story doesn't end with any kind of justice but it seems like it got there um i've i've definitely laughed at movies that you know aren't supposed to be funny i, I think it happens more with trailers it always, yeah but, i laughed at avatar 2 the way of water during the movie just the yeah. idea of it no just well i laughed at the idea of it but i also my brother and i could not stop laughing we're just like titanic the sequel the abyss the sequel <laughs> like we just like kept naming james cameron movies as yeah, a but it, it's it's also uh, interestingly full circle dances with wolves the dances sequel with wolves too Fern Gully too. The Smurfs and the Magic Flute. The sequel. Fern Gully never gets the credit that it's that it's due. I agree. With oh, Robin Williams absolutely. as uh, what was he a fruit bat or something? Yeah, or something? it was. Yeah, because I just I remember there's Fern one Gully. scene where a tree branch breaks and he's just standing there and he goes, "Whoop, gravity works," and he falls <laughs> falling down to the yeah. I uh, my my favorite laughing at a movie that wasn't supposed to be funny, and we will move on in a moment. But uh, this is oh, this that kind of stuff's always too much fun. You know, uh, Eric and I uh, earlier this week we did a show where we were supposed to talk about David Letterman, and we got to about an hour fifteen, and I was like, "So are we going to talk about Letterman?" And you're like, "Not this week." <laughs> yeah, so, but we will talk about Super Mario. <laughs> we meant we had it planned; everything was ready. We pulled but then, clips, <laughs> but uh, my co-host 
Uh, Brian Johnson, you may know him from uh, Tell Him Steve Dave, AMC's Comic Book Man. He's in all of Kevin Smith's movies. Um, Brian derailed us with talking about his rewatch of Little House on the Prairie and how psychotic I, the show is. I, and yeah, we just went on go. a deep dive of that. <laughs> and then it led into Three's Company with Monroe and Ted Knight. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, we lost course, track of time. So this, of course, week we'll the different strokes bicycle shop episode is uh, is is always a cornerstone of any podcast once a year. Uh, but my uh, the movie that I, I didn't laugh during the movie, but I, I didn't love it. I thought it was OK. But uh, I went with my friend Laura. We were NBC pages together and we went to see Unbreakable, the second M. Night Shyamalan movie. And I was like, OK, with it. I thought it looked in, good but... in that series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just that one, just Unbreakable. And uh, it is the split. <clears throat> no, no, no. But so at the at the end of it, there's like there's like a moment, you know, with the last line. It is like they called me Mr. Glass. And I'm like, OK, that's funny. And I start laughing and I'm like, OK, that's that's a terrible ending. And then there's anytime you put like words at the end and it's like he was sent to a home for the criminally insane. And just the way that it was worded, it made me laugh. It was like the can't breathe from laughing so hard. And of course, right. it's the person next to you is doing that. So my <laughs> friend, Lord, so everyone's getting up and walking out of this movie that had kind of this you know, melodramatic moment. And most people probably enjoyed it. They're just looking at us. And I'm like, I, I, I it's making me, it, it is uh, clunky how they threw it in there. It's almost yeah. like uh Poochie died on the way to his home planet. Like uh, it was just this thing they threw in there. Cause they didn't really know how to connect the, everything and give it an ending. It's just like, Oh, he was, he was locked up and put that's away. two shows in a row where Poochie came up for you and I. So uh, I can't, it wait should always be whenever he's not around, agreed. everyone's you going, where's Poochie? Mr. S, uh, Jason Blair, first time I wanted to sit away from my parents was Ghostbusters 2. I was in nice. fifth grade and wanted to hold hands with Lisa Snowbrick, a sixth grader. Now, I like the sound Ooh. of that. Uh, and this was to uh, Kate's comment. Nothing was more romantic than Vigo the Carpathian. Yep. Uh, this is just, I, I mean, we do a whole show on this, Jason. Uh, we, we had you on various shows. My mom took me to see Basic Instinct because wow. she thrillers and Michael Douglas. Awkward. Uh, and then finally, Jason, uh, Jurassic Park was the first movie I saw in surround sound. The preview before it was the opening scene for Lion King. So that song continues to blow him away just for the Good audio show. fidelity. So Super Mario Brothers. Uh, this is not the uh, first film version, but uh, this is the only one my kids will see. And uh, when we did the intro uh, a little while ago, I was going to just take a clip of the theme from the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. And, uh, you know, that's like, oh, let's just get the forehead of the Mona Lisa. You don't alter art in any way. And that is a piece no. of art, that song. And uh, it just took me back to uh, Captain Lou Albano. Um, Kate, I'll ask you first. What's yes. your expectations and hopes for the Super Mario Brothers? We see the trailer. There was a little bit of a reaction to it because, you know, it was Chris Pratt. I, I don't know who people wanted. I guess they what they wanted, like people John don't Travolta know what doing want. his Barbarino character from Welcome Back, Cotter. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what they wanted. I mean, you know? after like the way the fans reacted to the story leak of Last of Us Part Two, and then it got like a 93 percent on Gamer. Like, I don't trust anybody on the Internet. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, he, this is interesting for me to be on this panel. I did not grow up playing Mario Kart. I don't know anything about the game because I was really okay. bad at the game. <laughs> and so what was interesting for me is I'm coming at it from a screenwriter and a filmmaker perspective because okay. I'm lucky if I get in single digits when I play now. Like if I if I get a nine, if I'm ninth place, I'm super fucking happy. Like, right, right, right. So I when Chris Pratt came on and didn't have the voice, I was kind of like, oh, thank God. 
I don't have to hear <laughs> a really bad Italian plumber accent for an hour and a half. Exactly. But I knew that they, with with such a emphasis on video game adaptations that have been happening recently, and with the Super Mario Brothers movie from 1993, they had to do it different. They couldn't, they were already doing it campy with the animation style. So they had to give it another direction so that adults could sit through it. And yeah. so, like, I knew that something was going to happen where we would hear the voice. Um, and I knew that they had cast the original actor back and he he was in the background of two of the scenes. Um, so it didn't bother me because it, it wasn't like a like, oh, they didn't do the thing because I didn't know the, the original thing. Right, so I right. wasn't connected to it. So I was just like, what what is the best decision for this movie? And if Chris Pratt was the best decision for this movie <laughs> and him not doing the voice the whole time or at all was the best decision for the movie. But I, I kind of figured like if you're making a Super Mario Brothers game after the tragedy of 19 the 1993 version, like Nintendo had to give the rights. So the Nintendo had to approve everything. And something had to happen like that was like different. And I was like, OK, I'm along for this ride. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I trust you guys. Yeah, Eric, it seemed like uh, you had a similar sentiment uh, in terms of the voice and, you know, that they you can't tell a story with that voice unless it's you know amped up to you know camp level of you know six thousand percent right. or something right um uh, unlike unlike kate um i did grow up with uh with the mario franchise uh not even from the debut of super mario brothers or the regular mario brothers which was the arcade version yeah um also the donkey kong when donkey kong yeah. was on coleco um i have older siblings so they had that and that's was my first experience with it but i've been with the property all the way up to um yeah they just had mario uh, day last month and i bought a whole bunch of the stuff for the switch so still playing all that stuff um having um uh, I can I never get his name right, and I've talked to him on my show three times. Charles, um, whatever his name is, the guy who's doing Mario's voice <laughs> in the video games. I apologize for not remembering his last uh, name. Charles uh, uh, Martinet, who Martinette, did the voice right? of Mario's dad. M Mario's dad. He's barely Sorry. tolerable. Yeah, as Mar Mario in, in the games, he's he's god awful when you play like Luigi's Mansion, any of those right. versions, because he's also doing that voice, and he's always going Mario. It's it's just annoying. Um, having him talk for, even though this was a fast 90 minutes for a movie yeah. and a very tight Agreed. 90 minutes, by the way, um, it would have been God awful having to sit there and hearing him do, he couldn't do long form dialogue like they were doing. And I know people have issues with Chris Pratt and whatever. I, that doesn't, I don't care. That doesn't bother me. Um, he doesn't have a distinct enough voice to take you out of the character. Like if you were hearing right. his voice go, Oh my God, that's Chris. like, you know, immediately that's him. He doesn't really have that voice yet. They cast two other people who have very distinct voices in that movie uh, with Jack yeah. black and, and with Seth Rogen. And even they weren't annoying. Uh, yeah. Being, Oh, he wasn't overly Jack black. He was, ch he was channeling Jack black and funneling it through Bowser. And it kind of worked. Seth Rogen did the laugh once because, yeah. you know, just to put it out there or whatever. But anytime he was Donkey Kong, uh, spoilers, he's Donkey Kong, um, <laughs> that uh, he you you like, oh, yeah, OK, that's Seth Rogen. But he also didn't take you out because he wasn't being overly Seth Rogen in a lot of his movies. So the way they cast a lot of the voices here for everything was 
pretty good. And to what you were saying about Nintendo not just giving the rights to it, Nintendo's very controlling, very controlling of their properties. Mm -hmm. They rarely ever have a sale. They're like Apple like that. They never really branch out their stuff unless they have majority control of what that property is doing. So for them to do this movie, you saw the original creator of uh, of the Mario franchise and Zelda franchise. He was on top of everything that was going on. Nintendo was every step of the way with what they were doing. So this was crafted and put together in a way that this was not going to ruin anything they had going on. And, and casting Chris Pratt was perfectly fine. I don't know what people were thinking. They're like, oh, it's not over, overly Italian. It needs to be the original guy. Sometimes the fan bases don't know what they want and they're not always right. You know, there's times where they are, you know, spot on with criticism of a property. Right. This was not one of those times. And it's amazing that the critics hated the movie. The fans loved the movie, but the fans were also criticizing the movie before they even saw the movie because of a casting choice instead of just seeing where it was going to go. And fortunately for everybody who got to watch it, um, they nailed this. I, I couldn't believe how well this movie was put together. I, I agree, and uh, we'll obviously dive yeah. into the different aspects of it. But very rarely are uh, is a fan outcry uh, warranted or worth paying attention to. Uh, I think that they I think it did used make, to be, but they. Well, just I was gonna say, got... I think they made the right call on on Sonic. That first one looked way too weird. Correct. But the one. It the depends one on what the, it's for. The yeah. the one that I think, it, when it comes to voices, is. As of 2023, no one has ever done the voice of Optimus Prime except that guy, Peter Cullen, because there's just like, why would you if he and passes away? Of course, when you're watching away, like you're gonna little kid, Caitlin else. was is, gets really excited over that Beast Wars trailer. And the second the lights, the, the, the image stops and you hear him say, you know, let them come. And I'm like, shit. Let's go. Let's go, Prime. Uh, and and uh and Kate for uh, anyone in Los Angeles or visiting, he is a uh, big fan and a regular of Chili oh. John's over on Burbank Boulevard uh and uh Good I did see him once, but I didn't know what he looked like at that time. After he left, the 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 person who was uh, you know my my server was like, "Do you know who that was?" I'm like, "I do not." And it, it's like it was good that they waited uh, for yeah. after he left because I definitely would have taken a picture. But I also, think that Jason uh, Blair, it is it's oh, rated PG. What's uh, oh this movie? It's I, mean, I uh, let's see where is he? Yeah, it's rated uh, PG for mild action violence. Yes, that's that's, that's my is might as well be G by today's standards. Like that doesn't yeah. really even. There's nothing in that movie that was um, suggestive, explicit, anything in there. Like it was perfect balance. It's like what Nickelodeon figured out in the in the yeah. late '90s with Rugrats and and SpongeBob stuff. It was the perfect mix of stuff for adults, uh, eye candy for adults, things on the wall, things they were talking about so that adults could be invested, yeah. and great for kids because it's colorful, it's fast, and they're they're enjoying. The movie as well and also people who've never played or know the history of the game to come in and go i, I figured it all out okay i'm, yeah. I, I'm yeah. part of this too but also uh, when you have like i can imagine like littler kids like i jumped a little bit when that first well, you know the the zombie hands came out and started attacking luigi like I can yeah that's the point that i want to make scared. kate is actually uh jason's saying he thinks it might be pg because they eat mushrooms uh, which the MPAA could see as a mild drug reference. I think that's then. I do think you're correct. I don't yeah, think it's, it's not that. Because of that. My son wasn't the only one who was there. Uh, siblings were invited, and my daughter Lucy is only four. Uh, she's actually five. So 
don't know. I guess I could edit that out, but you know, at least I yes, caught you're myself. A bad parent. You don't She's know five age. though. Yeah. So, uh, and, uh, she ended up, uh, on my wife's lap, uh, just like when I took them to see Puss in Boots, she ended up in my lap for almost the whole movie. So I think, it's a it's tone that uh, gets yeah. to PG because G really is supposed to be for everybody. Anyone can sit in that chair and it's not going to be objectionable in, in any way. Uh, and I agree that at, at one time it might have been a G rated movie. I, I don't know what the, the standard is now, but my daughter was fairly scared, but she still enjoyed it. She actually yeah. really, I think, only liked uh, she liked. She liked Princess Peach a lot, and uh, I think she liked Toad because he was funny, but she was not a fan of Bowser, and uh, I can't blame her. We're not supposed to be, although I found him very enjoyable. I'm a huge fan of Bowser. I found him very enjoyable on the screen. You know what? Just because the way you were saying that now, now I'm thinking about maybe they changed enough in the movie to make it PG as a marketing thing. Like, right. you know how sometimes they have an R-rated movie and the studios push to cut some stuff to make it PG-13 so it seems more appealing, even though you're affecting the story and fans might not like it as much, but you're going to get more people willing to come in to see the like movie. Like superhero if it's movies do that and stuff. If you have an all-G movie, you're not going to, even if you grew up with the thing, adults may think different you know yeah. not every adult wants to see a pixar movie or did no matter how well they're made they just don't want to see it uh teenagers and young adults may not want to go see a g movie so if you did a little bit and shifted a little bit to make it pg that kind of makes it appealing to everybody to come see it it's a it's a really good point you know uh, i just uh last month i i read my son uh, tells of a fourth grade nothing a book that's 50 years old now and i read when i was in second grade and uh in it is uh you know it's an inner monologue about uh peter the main character didn't want to have to see a g-rated movie so even back then the idea of the g-rated movie was like well this is how i know it's not going to be good it's rated g uh but of course uh eric you remember when we were kids before pg-13 and movies that should not have been rated pg were I think Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom was the first PG-13 movie, and uh, either that wow. or Doom. One of the one of them was the first because they were like, no, we need something else in the middle. Uh, and yeah. uh, Jason makes a good point. Secret of Nim is rated G, but I wasn't scared when I saw it. But I don't know. I'm from a tougher world uh, than these kids are now. Uh, for me, my I was a huge fan of Super Mario Brothers one, two, and three, and uh, I was a I was a, an original. NES guy, the Nintendo Entertainment System. Even by the time the Super NES came along, uh, I uh, was not in a situation where I was uh, buying that for myself. So I stuck with that console and uh, never really advanced beyond it because of uh, all the other things I got distracted with in life. So I haven't really been much of a gamer since then, but I loved Super Mario Brothers 3. I don't know why Raccoons Flied flew fly i don't know uh fled but uh that's probably my favorite reveal of the movie because when he's a cat i'm like oh that's not what i wanted but then he gets to he gets to be the raccoon and i'm like this is perfect well he's not the and raccoon he's the, the ten this is so super nerdy there's the raccoon from mario yeah. 3 where you get the leaf and he has the ears and the tail yeah, sure and there's the tanuki suit where you're used oh. all covered in fur. You can fly. That's one that's of the powers. True. But also you turn into a statue for some reason. I don't know why that was a thing I, in the game. Know, I do remember that as well. But you're that's right, what yeah. he was. He was in that Tanuki uh, suit flying. He wasn't the actual raccoon. They tried to. They did a really good job with working in every 
possible reference that they could that right. wasn't ham handed uh, or had to be explained. Like the, the cat suit at one point, uh, uh, I forgot the, the guy from SNL who was playing Donkey Kong's father. Um, oh, Fred Armiston. Fred Armiston. Thank you. I, I was spacing his name where he's like, oh, we got the cat suit. Like, so they had to narrate it a little bit because nobody, would, yeah. even if you played that game forever, that cat suit was in one game, you know, yeah. so you didn't know that thing. I, I did not know that cat. That's suit, when you so. knew that they were like, oh, they're pulling from like, the, they're, uh, the, they're putting in everything. Then you saw the Tanuki suit instead of him just having the ears and the tail flying. He had the full garb going through there so that was a super mario brothers 3 reference the the during yeah. the, you said you hadn't played mario kart so many different uh versions of that game. i've watched it i just haven't played it because my brother used to play it all the time and then used to tease me by handing me the controller and not telling me how to play. So Super Smash Brothers was not fun for me because I I was like I live in this world Just where smash percentages where no, where like percentages mean percentages. And so yeah. when you can't go over 100%. So when they're like 140% and I'm like what the fuck does this mean? <laughs> like so lost yeah it's like mara can't fight a guy with a sword this is not an even matchup and then i was like losing i was like yeah. every time because link was my favorite <laughs> that was my nintendo game that was the one where like i understood it it was a story i got it i understand yeah all right so uh jason blair who uh usually uh does this level of uh ibid footnotes when we talk star trek he's now doing it on mario uh the cat suit is from super I mario 3d you, world on the wii right. u which was the worst selling console. They re-released it on the Switch, though. Yeah, I bought uh, it during the uh, the big uh, sale that they were having last month for, for the uh, Mario celebration. Uh, I had I had the Wii U. I, I only played like two different there. games on it because the thing was was god awful. And it was the precursor to the Switch because the controller for this had a screen in there and the unit as well. Uh, Mario World 3D was on there. Um, I just bought that and... Uh, deluxe which was i had but never played and the then the mario builder stuff which seems like a great fun idea it's like i could build my own levels and then you get like a couple worlds into it and you're like this is boring i don't want to do this anymore right. and everybody else is making <laughs> levels that are so super impossible just to make you look stupid so they can pull clips to put on the internet so i was just like yeah i'm not playing that anymore what i do appreciate is the screenwriting the screen the screenwriter of this movie was matthew vogel who did uh the lego movie too uh, and he did the Rise of Gru, a Minions movie, and he's done a lot of sequels. And so it's nice to see him get something in his own, on his own, on his own right. Like the like, I get to do the first one. I get to kind of set right. the world and set the stage. And it was a really big task, and I just appreciate that he put so much in that the fans would know. Um, and I'm assuming he also like dictated where the sh some of where the shots would be, or, like when you fall to what would we what we would call a master shot, where it's that just like super wide when they're going through um brooklyn mm -hmm. like i really liked that when they would pull out to the wide um and it's like yeah this let's just use this as a master shot and i'm like oh when you think about it that way of course but he kept in the power-ups as just like almost like an anime style like this is just part of the world and did not have to explain it like it's like how do we yeah. explain power-ups and he kind of probably like we don't they just happen because it's part of the world that's how you get around just it's go how with you it. yeah. if you want if you it's not like the pipe system where it's like it, it, it's like it's functional in the universe it's like the power-ups are functional in the universe and everybody uses them and everybody knows them it's like okay i don't have to have that explained to me and i thought that was a really brave screenwriting decision to not have to 
explain it. It's like in Dragon Ball. That's it's like also very. That's also very smart because sometimes films will get criticized if it's a well-known property to a certain portion of an audience out there, but then the general audience may not know. Like Last of Us, right? People yeah. who play games know the story, know the games, they've played it. But when you bring it to HBO, the majority of of the public that will watch HBO that doesn't doesn't play the game. So they don't know the story other than the notes that they've been either reading online, the uh, the interviews <laughs> leading up to it, the the teasers, trailers, all that stuff. Yeah. But when they just say, look, we can't explain everything. We can't spoon feed everything to the audience here. We'll do enough. And then if you're curious, go back and look it up. Yeah, and like, why up. did they do that thing? You go online and look it up. That's on you, the audience member. If they do a good enough job and there's some questions you still have, go look it up. Somebody has an explanation video or post on Reddit or something that will break it down for you. But having to cater in that way where they got to explain everything kind of ruins the momentum of certain scenes, kind of ruins right. the overall arc of what's going on here because it's just it's taking too long. to. It's like so, the problem with some origin movies where... Yeah they're just poorly written because they're over explaining minute details that mean stuff to these little um, uber nerdy clicks, but it doesn't mean anything to the overall story. Like, yeah, I read the comic books back in the eighties. Okay. Well, we don't need to do every single page that you read in that comic book. We can do enough so that everybody can be on board with it. And uh, this guy did a fantastic job doing that. Yeah. The, the example that I always use is that uh, my wife loved the Harry Potter movies, never read two words of a Harry Potter book. And she had friends who all loved the books and they would talk to her after movies like, Oh, but did you uh, feel like this part? Out. Yeah. Did they feel like yeah. this part was missing or did you want more of that? And she's like, no, because I didn't know it wasn't there, you know? So, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's ways, you know, I mean, I, I remember when uh, Game of Thrones had the red wedding, I had this one friend who was like, yeah, I read about that six years ago. Uh, so I'm way past my freak out on that, but uh, glad everybody's finally caught up. Uh, interesting from Jason Blair. I thought the, yeah, the that smartest really screenwriting decision was Mario hating mushrooms. I thought that was nice. I liked the world building of Brooklyn. I thought it was great to start with the nod to the, the Mario Luigi voices we knew from the games, from the old cartoons, all of that. I think yeah. that was a that was a great choice. And but you got the original Mario voice in yeah. Giuseppe, that guy in the back, and then he transitioned to a real voice when he was the father. Like yeah. it was nice. And then we just immediately established that this is not what we're doing. Let's go on this adventure because I mean, you, this is what I was going to say earlier. You can't use that voice and have anything even mildly dramatic happening. You know what I mean? Right. Like you can't, you, you can't pull at any heartstrings at, at any point. If at the same time, you know, he's, he's talking like that. So. And how quickly uh, I, they established like the Luigi relies on Mario. Mario yeah. feels responsible for Luigi in an effort to seem important, they do, they try to save Brooklyn and they, they fail and they get separated. And so it's like, there's yeah. an immediate stake that happens basically in like the first 10 minutes of the film. And then it's like, yeah. then you're off. And it's something that kids can understand and, and latch onto, especially if they have siblings. It's like being separated from your parents in a store or something like that. Yeah. yeah. You're walking around the aisles. Now all of a sudden the place is terrifying and scary. You don't know where your parents are. Will you ever see them again? Uh, that kind of feeling and to enhance that they drop luigi in the scariest place yeah which by the way two things with that uh one that was great how they combined um bowser's kingdom i guess it is in this yeah. game here instead of like the level eight world in the games but uh you know the kingdom and stuff with all of his stuff going there and then also the hints 
and maybe even foreshadowing we can get to that later that of luigi's, luigi's mansion, mansion might be coming its own thing because there's sort of that he's in a little house or a shack or something that he yeah. ran into and um, then he builds it in the in the playground too right um so there there's that and and charlie day being luigi when he's scared and things are like in those situations he does a good job channeling, I guess, the essence of what Charles Martinet does with Luigi in Luigi's Mansion without yeah. being the over-the-top annoying where he's Mario. like you he had the quiver in his voice doing the Mario thing when he was trapped in the in the building and and uh didn't know what was going on. So he did get that kind of fear and uh lack of confidence, I guess, that the character does have in in those game series for Luigi. Um, but then when they're later in the when they're teamed up again and they're they're fighting whatever the confidence level goes mm -hmm. back up and his voice still isn't taking you out like you do recognize his voice if you've seen always sunny or uh pacific rim <laughs> things like that, that that he's known for um yeah he channels charles martinet in certain aspects but then makes it his own in other parts of the movie so i think that was a really good job as well yeah yeah, they do a great job uh, uh, of of one creating the characters. They're distinctly different, but the importance of the relationship and it's honestly it's that simple. You just have to make people sitting in their seat looking up at the screen care about the two of them. And you know, uh obviously this was uh, my son's friend's birthday party because they play a lot of these games, they know a lot of these characters. Uh, Felix and Lucy can point to them and know who Mario is. They might not have even known who Luigi was before this. My son had like a remote control, like it was basically like a Mario Kart car, like, uh, you know, like a remote control one. And so he knew him from that, like, but they don't, the, the, the amount of screen stuff they do, it's not really any of this stuff yet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that you don't need to have the existing familiarity to sit down and enjoy it. And, Obviously, it's you can dismiss this movie as as a kids movie, but as someone who sees a lot of kids movies, they're not always enjoyable for the adults. You know, for every Puss in Boots, there's three Clifford the Big Red Dogs and a couple of Lyle Lyle Crocodiles, which actually was much better than Clifford. But like the point Lyle. is, no, I like the uh, yeah. And, and my my daughter was less scared in that one. She thought yeah. she was going to be scared of the alligator, but she, yeah. she wasn't. He's cute, yeah. and he's in the yeah. bathroom. <laughs> right and he sings and dances and so. he sings and dances yeah that's true so was, uh go ahead kate oh something on on because i wanted to touch on you know the kids who might not know who all the characters are sure there's a line in the training sequence that as someone who did not grow up playing this obsessively and just was like a casual player in her adulthood there's a line in the training sequence that i thought was really important because i turned to my friends and we saw the 10 30 at night showing so it was mostly adults actually it was all adults and I was just like, that line was for people like me. Yeah. And it was at when he's almost reaches the end, but doesn't. And Princess Peach comforts him by going like, you know, I didn't get it on my first try. Like, you know, it's yeah. really hard. Like if you're not used to it and it's like, you know, you got it on your first try. She's like, yeah, I got it on my first try, but I grew up here. I'm used to this. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. that line was for people like me who are trying to pick up the game now and they just cannot stay on Rainbow Road to save their life. <laughs> and like i didn't grow up playing it i didn't grow up in this world and like yeah. it's just tough for me to play you know to be in that like you know not know when all the power-ups happen and like you're just trying to go straight instead of like you know and not and avoid like all this crap that other people put in your way so like i understood like the references of the game because it's been in the zeitgeist of my growing up life which sure. is crazy that i got so many references just by it being so present 
And yeah, I think no, that's absolutely. the power of Mario and the power of this game where it's like, you, you've heard of it. You've been around it. You know what a, a, a little like, you know, what is that? The banana peels are and you know what the bombs are. And you know, the shells are bad. And like, even if you don't know why, you just, you know it. But like playing it is different. And that line was for people like me, I think, who didn't grow up playing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, Which this is really hard. Speaking of the shells, uh, another comment from Jason Blair, who people who don't know Jason, uh, he has uh, eight year old triplets at home. So I can only imagine what it sounds like in the background while you're watching <laughs> this. Uh, I knew that the Mario Kart scene would end in a blue shell with a blue shell. There's nothing more frustrating than getting hit with the blue shell in all of video gamedom. Because you can't uh, there dodge was a, it. Yeah, there was a very uh, that was like for all the all the kids, all the adults that uh, are familiar with the games. There was a great reaction to that. So that was a nice review. I don't yeah. think it uh, took out, you know, my uh, my kids in any way. Uh, we were talking about Princess Peach. That yeah. Back oh, yeah. Back. We were talking about Princess Peach. So I think it's important to talk about uh, uh, Anna Taylor-Joy for a moment. Uh, Great voice. That, uh, I Great think cast. that the, the characterization of Princess Peach, you can go a lot of different directions. And I think that there, you know, in this day and age, there can be the temptation to like, well, let's not have her be a princess anymore. Or you can remember that uh, Leia, Amidala, they were princesses. So, you know, you can be a badass princess. So let's just embrace the princess, princess part of it. Yeah. And uh, I thought it was great. I thought that, uh, you know, they uh, they had like a good characterization for her, for her empathy for Mario, the line you were talking about, Kate, where it's like, yeah, I didn't get on my first try. Oh, yeah, actually, I did. You know that yeah, I, I thought uh, I thought it was nice. I thought there was a really good dynamic. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of reminded of uh, I forget what that show was, but there's this like this clip that you see sometimes from something that Seth MacFarlane did where, you know, Mario rescues the princess. And then, you know, she's like, yeah, what did you think was going to happen after this? Get the hell out of here, you know. <laughs> but in the context of a story, uh, they need to, at the very least, be friends. And uh, I, I thought, uh, I, I think we enjoyed the adventure I, that they went on together. You know, but I also I, like how that erupted from that. He looks like me. It's someone like me. It came from yeah. a a. Uh, uh, they came from two different worlds, but it's like they they can build a symbiosis based yeah. on like a mutual can like connection what were you gonna say eric i did like when he was trying to get to the castle to to meet her and the two guards there were like we're sorry mario this princess is in another castle (laughs) like that was great yeah the wording was very well done there yeah 12 year old me uh really laughed extra hard at that Uh, yeah (laughs) but uh, and and you know but that's a great example eric there's a lot of those little touches that they don't distract from the movie because sometimes you'll get that. The, sometimes the, there's too many Easter eggs or shout outs or things in a movie where you're like, can you just tell the story? It doesn't that's that's no, the working perfect. They did really yeah. well. And yeah. Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, the adventuring yes. wingman and making him <laughs> so different from all the other ones. It was yeah. just like love, love his his way around it, which is just cook. Again, another voice that didn't uh, his, his voice is very well known and didn't take you out of the movie. Like, I, no. I forgot he was. He was told through the whole movie. Yeah. I was like, who was that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, we've also, we referenced uh, Fred Armisen, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco as uh, Spike. Who I didn't even know was in the movie until I saw the credits at the end. I'm like, who the hell was he in the movie? Yeah. And uh, I uh, I knew that Jack Black was in the movie, but it wasn't like, 
Bowser opened his mouth and all of a sudden it was like something out of Tenacious D, you know, it was until like until the piano yeah, came on until the piano, which I was like the moment yeah. where we got it. I thought it was great. I thought, uh, look, I, I have admitted to maybe being in a bit of uh, Jack Black fatigue uh, for at least a decade, possibly more. But this I, no no complaints just because it's you know, there's always that one note, you know, uh, and, uh, as, as we'll talk about on a future episode of the black cast, uh, you know, I, I don't know that I need the Mandalorian to turn into the love boat, but, uh, you know, right. it's uh, lots that. of, lots of cameos. It will talk about that some other time, but, uh, so I'm not always happy when I see him, but I didn't see him. So I think that that might've, but, uh, oh my, I mean, that peaches song, uh, it's, I, I don't it know. can be nominated for an Oscar this year for best original song. I'm just throwing it out there. I, I mean, I don't expect it to win. I just want them to perform it at the Oscars. I want them to perform it. Yeah. And, uh, you so know, I mean, and I want him to do it in the same way that Lady Gaga did Shallow. Oh, I love that <laughs> idea. Yeah. Like when the, when the South Park uh, movie, uh, Blame Canada, was nominated, it wasn't a matter of, right. uh, of it winning. Uh, and then, yeah, Robin Williams came out and performed and it. They so did it's like, whole... I want that moment. You know, give yeah. give us the princess peaches. What? Uh, yeah, and and uh, let's see. Uh, Jason says I've already read that peaches, peaches, peaches is this summer as we don't talk about Bruno. You might not be wrong. That's a, it's a great call, uh, Eric. What are some things that stood out for you when you you know as you were watching the movie and in the days since that kind of you know when you think back you're like oh this really worked. I liked maybe it's this moment that character anything that uh, we haven't touched on yet. For me, look, for me, some of it was the Easter eggs. Some of it was the yeah. stuff that just wasn't discussed. There's a scene where he's just sitting in his bedroom, kind of, you know, depressed, stressed, whatever. And he's playing Nintendo like it's very meta. So but Nintendo, for those who don't know, the original Nintendo system came with the original Super Mario Brothers. Like that was the game that was included with the system when you bought it. But in this world, the original game that comes with it was Kid Icarus. So he's sitting there playing Kid Icarus. And I go, yeah. I played that game forever, too. Like, I think I only ever beat it once because it was so a lot of those games were so <laughs> impossible back in the day. Um, he's sitting there playing that. So that was a big pop moment for me um, when he was in the um, I don't know if it was like a diner pizza place, wherever it was, where Charles Monette was playing the Jumpman, which was the original version of uh when they were trying to figure out between Donkey Kong and uh, and where it, it was it was going to come, they called it Jumpman, I think, in in Japan. And uh, so he's playing Jumpman, and then on the wall is boxing photos from Punch Out, Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Yeah, that I really there. like. And yeah, I was that, freaking that, out that about that too. One. And I'm like, not only is it just Nintendo wow. and, and and Super Mario World, they're bringing in classic Nintendo franchises here and there now there I, I can't wait to watch it again at some point and, and slow it down in certain spots to see if there were other games that were mentioned that i missed i know during the brooklyn fight scene there was one bar or, or restaurant or something that had the duck hunt duck yes as the yeah. logo on the wooden sign so that was something else i got <laughs> i'm sure there's plenty others that i missed but that, for me that was uh those were big moments being able to look at that and um i i think the way Everybody was always like, like, you know, they were waiting for that one teaser where they were going to do the big wide reveal to see what the Mushroom Kingdom looked like. Not just the little teasers where he's with Toad in the big Toadstool. So, you know, he's there, but you're not seeing the kingdom. Right. I was more interested in seeing Bowser's world. 
you know, when you saw the uh, the lava and the fire and the brimstone and things floating for no reason, like he said that too, it's like bricks float in this world. Like it works in the <laughs> other world too. There's just things floating for no reason. He doesn't know how it's happening. They're just there. Um, but seeing that world and hearing that music, that meant you were in the final stages of uh, most of the early Super Mario games uh, that involved uh, Bowser Koopa. Um, seeing that world, seeing how it was all projected, the gates and the creatures and on there, that for me was, you know, because I like a lot of villain stuff, and that was really fun to look at that as well. Yeah. Uh, just to uh, uh, piggyback on the earlier comment, Jason Blair wants Peaches, Peaches, Peaches performed at the Oscars by the presidents of the United States of America. I'm sure there's a mashup out there already. I, I was uh, <laughs> just thinking, I'm like, I think I know what's I going to be. For the audio version of this podcast, I already know what the musical selection will be. I'm sure somebody's already put uh, those two together, and uh, I look forward to that. Uh, Kate, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, this just basically being a story that, like you said, it's in the zeitgeist, you can't not know some of it, but you didn't necessarily have the attachment to it that some people did. But I, one of the reasons why I asked you to do this, because I saw you posted just you know how the movie was it's pretty close to perfect for perfect what it can movie. be no notes and you know you had no notes and uh you know that's it's the the great testament is you know always i am uh, always very quick to dismiss the tomato meter but when it's lopsided in the way that it was where it's like 96 percent fan reaction critics are like 40 percent. you're like yeah because you're watching they the movie in it. the wrong way yeah you're watching the movie and yes you're analyzing it you know as you would a, a film but it's like well for what it is it's perfect, perfect. it's basically the, the takeaway yeah. right kate yeah um there's a ton of I, I saw it with a super fan. So every time something happened, which was every second, he was very excited. So yeah. it's like I knew something was happening and all of the mechanics of the game made sense for the film. Like that's like I remember we were we went to the jungle and it's like there's like, oh, yeah, we're going to need carts. And it's like, of course, of course, they would be the ones to have carts. <laughs> and it's like the guy who's building everything and then you get to like choose and you have that like you know they spin the thing and it's like you're spinning the the, the and it's like every everything of the mechanics of the game was put into how you built your cart even and like what what flies how you customize everything of course toad would have the big one they use the mechanics to build character um yeah. there's always something in good action movies or in good like movie like in good adventure movies where it's like you have the hero the sidekick the love interest the villain and the obstacle so there's always an obstacle uh and like in this one there were a couple of obstacles to mario getting what he wanted and so when you have a character going through multiple obstacles and um and this movie had multiple characters with multiple obstacles but mario's obstacle was he didn't know how to impress his father and he yeah. didn't know how to be important his goal was he needed to to save his brother and the obstacle to the goal and not and the villain who was who was preventing him from that and like, you know, could prevent everything from happening was Bowser. The obstacle became Donkey Kong and yeah. the way to under to, the way to get through Donkey Kong was by under mutual understanding, which is he also doesn't feel like he's important enough for his father and that he's a little bit of a, you know, a disappointment. And so with that understanding, they're able to work together. And now he's no longer an obstacle. Now he's an ally. But they yeah. did it in such a way where it's like everything makes sense, where it's like 
at every point, Mario has something he has to get through. So there's no lag in the story. There's no lag in understanding. And it's through Mario's character that voiced by Chris Pratt very well, that you're able to like defeat the obstacle and move on. And uh oh, there's another obstacle in a way. It kind of functioned a little bit like Die Hard. Like Die Hard's <laughs> a really good example of, of this tactic being employed in a script. So yeah, right. I, I felt like the jokes were on point. I feel like everybody I laughed. I felt like there was a lot of, of things that were put in for people who were super fans like Eric and people who were like, Oh, I know what that is. Like me. Um, the shots were all there. The shots were all consistent. Um, when you needed to be in a close-up and with a character, you were there. And when you needed to be far away and get that kind of good, like master shot, you were there. The training sequence was really good. Yeah. Um, the character, the, the Which... buildup of the, the slow burn of the relationship between princess peach and Mario was good because it wasn't like romantic at, at the offset. It was like friendship at the offset. She got yeah, to develop a... as a character. It was great. Like it's... no notes. Right. Uh, no, absolutely. And it's interesting that uh, you're talking about the training sequence. Uh, it's the uh, second movie in about a month that uh, had Bonnie Tyler holding out for a hero and uh, used well in this movie and uh, annoyed the hell out of me in Shazam 2. But uh, we, just, yeah. we were just talking about that on, on the other show that, that I do because um, I just finally saw Shazam. Because the there was no movie. rush. There was no rush. There was two no urgency to, to see two that. weeks yeah. in the theater and it was already out in digital like that. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that uh, we need a hero thing. And then they using it in the, in the Mario movie made sense. It was a little tongue in cheek, but it worked. Sure. Using it in Shazam. They had to point out that they were using it in Shazam. Like, oh, we need to be very Deadpool, but not done right where we got to break down the fourth yeah. wall and we acknowledge what's going on he's like did i really just save you and you were listening to that song and i was like yeah. this movie that it's alone garbage. just said now the rest of the movie is gonna be terrible it was bad enough uh that it was playing but then they called it out and then it uh, bothered me so much i forgot to talk about it in our review episode which was good that i forgot because that was an extra 20 minutes right there that uh, <laughs> we didn't need uh, For me, but, it remind, using that song reminded me of a pivotal moment in my childhood in animation, which was Shrek. The use of okay. it in Shrek. It reminded yeah. me of like, you know, when he's going to go save, you know, when he decides that he's going to be her hero and he breaks down the gate when the the fairy godmother is singing the song. So it was yeah. like, it, no, it pulled me back to like that, that moment from 15 years ago or whenever that movie came out. But like, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As much as I enjoyed the Shrek movies and expect to see them again repeatedly with my kids, I haven't seen any of them in a while. I actually forgot about that. Yeah, so, me too. Uh, that's a, yeah. that's a, Check out the use a... of the soundtrack because, yes, they use pop music, but when they use real score, it, it heightens it. Heightens it. It's really interesting. That, so next that, time yeah. you listen to that movie. That's something that was getting a big pop, too, in at least in the theater that I was in, when certain music – would change to the music people were familiar with with yes. the the Bowser's world, the underground yeah. music when you heard the dinner and like that people going through there. The with the water where the water music was playing, the Mario Kart uh, first theme, and then the theme for Rainbow Road when that like when these different audio cues come in, um, unless you've watched a movie and then appreciated years down the line you know all the, the music cues for Star Wars, right? But when you went and saw those movies, you didn't know these these songs yeah. yeah here every time something tri um i don't want to say triggered something uh hit during a certain scene people were like oh like the mute the, the the score to it also became 
another level yeah. i guess of, of enjoyment for the movie that's like oh this set up this set up this even though you're waiting for certain things and you you're very familiar with them when you hear it it brought a sense of uh yeah. i'll say euphoria people were freaking out during certain scenes and when music, the music cues just hit yeah in yeah. a in a in the music sense it's called a light motif uh l e i t m o t i p um and oh, it's God. and it's you call it in Hispanic. but light yeah. is not l i g h t it's l e l e i t um, yeah. And it's when uh, they use certain music cues to attach to a certain character, a certain conflict or a certain place. So when you hear it again, you're automatically, you know, triggered, not triggered, but like you're automatically pulled back to what that meant. So it heightens the, the, the rest of the scene. They use it a lot in TV. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish it wasn't so hard to use the word triggered anymore because there's times where it's perfect. You both in the space of two minutes, both wanted to use it. It's like, oh, but it doesn't really mean that anymore. But uh, we all know what you're saying. Uh, as we start to uh, wind down, let's talk about the uh, I guess it's a mid credit scene uh, teasing what's to come, which was the thing that, you know, there was a quick flash of a, of a Yoshi like character. And it was the thing that as the movie's ending, I'm like, Oh, I kind of hoped we would get. Some, well, there were uh, two, there was a mid credit and the very end credit. Oh, that's right. That's, that's, I forgot that that Yoshi yeah. was the very, the very end. end. Yeah. Yep. The mid credit was the, the Bowser. tiny Bowser, tiny Bowser, uh, peaches, peaches, peaches. Yeah. Which was also great. But, uh, so let's, uh, start. I wish I got peaches, peaches, peaches in that little tiny voice though. Like I kind of uh, that's a that's a that's a special features on the Blu-ray or digital purchase. You can maybe get that. Like let's just hope. Uh, so obviously uh, we're talking a little bit about what the focus would be on a on a sequel. Uh, we're gonna get some Yoshi. I assume that there'll be uh, cookies uh, adjacent to that. But uh, you're also talking about Eric earlier uh, doing uh, Luigi's Mansion. Uh, so what do you think they're they're building towards? And even if it's more like oh here's what I hope I see. In there the there were so many different things. I actually had to make notes for, for my show after it was I left the theater before I forgot about it. There were so many potential directions they set up. I've never seen a movie like you could sometimes you can see where it's going. It's like, all right, this will obviously be the sequel. Yeah. Right. Outside of the introduction, the little uh, snippet at the end for Yoshi, like we know Yoshi's gonna be part of the next thing, but we don't know where the story's going. There were so many open avenues they left and a couple that didn't exist before that were also in there the biggest one to me was when they were standing in um this field with the fire flowers right yeah and she's talking about she looks up at the sky and she goes there's so many it's a huge universe and so many galaxies out there i'm like all right they're gonna set up mario galaxy at some point right so that right. that's obviously i think is a cue um the origin story of peaches we uh peaches yeah princess peach um yeah. that no i i was the song got stuck in my head. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I said it wrong. I was trying to correct myself. Uh, the origin story of Peach was never a thing ever in any of these games. Like nobody assumed she came from anywhere else. She was just part of this kingdom. In the movie, she came through the pipe. Like somehow she fell through the pipe, or maybe her parents didn't want her and they put her in the like some we don't know what happened so there's an origin story there or a spin-off thing to find out about where she came from. The fact that uh that Mario has a family outside of yeah. luigi like parents and, and uncles and all this other so now there's something there to do with <laughs> with now you could you'll, they'll do a super mario family at some point where they all wind up getting power-ups or, or teaming together for something uh that's a thing and um then you've got um well, jack black made this comment um recently Waluigi. Well, about, yeah, about Pedro Pascal, but he goes, we need a more evil, crafty villain. I'm thinking Wario. And I go, 
No. Like, Wario was just like a weird offshoot for Game Boy and then got worked into Mario Kart and, and uh, I think in Smash Brothers. I don't know if Wario's in there. Um, but he just was a, a, a happenstance character. Like, he just happened to somehow come into the world. But he's not really super connected to any of the Mario properties. And you're like, Bowser needs to be always the end all be all. Now, maybe there's a movie down the line where Mario and Bowser have to team together because of something else, a bigger problem or whatever. Maybe that's where Wario comes in. But there's other things they could do. They were talking about sleeping and seeing something in dreams or whatever. You can bring in the, the one offshoot Wart from uh, the American version of Mario 2, bring that into like where they're tripping out or something. And then, you know, they're in this that sleep dimension world what i forget how they explain it in the game yeah. but you can bring ward in there you can bring wario in but they've never really made a connection as to why he exists with mario he just was something they created uh that was right. supposed to be a mario um, a mario i almost said mario mario ver, uh mirror version of of mario and um i guess that could work in there too they, they opened up a lot there's so much they could do a donkey kong movie now they can do so many other things. So th the fact that Nintendo and uh, Illumination, is that the company? That did yes. The, yeah. Illumination, yes. They are, outside of Disney, there's not a lot of companies that handle animation with such care and such detail as what they do. And that's a great, if it wasn't with Disney, that's a great pairing for Nintendo to have because they'll treat all this stuff right. And they probably are going to be branching this out in phases like a, like a Marvel cinematic universe where we'll all of a sudden we'll start to hear this movie's coming. This problem is coming. This TV show's coming. Like you're going to see all this stuff because Nintendo's behind it. Illumination's behind it. And it's all going to be done. Right. Hopefully. Which yeah. is exactly where I wanted to end this, Kate. Uh, any thoughts you have, you know, you uh, pointed out and you made sure that uh, I included the fact that uh, there is uh, Nintendo Studios now. We see that at the beginning and that was beginning. like, oh, OK, cool. I didn't oh, know. Cool. That's basically how I learned that there's a Nintendo Studios. So, yeah, same with uh, everybody think else. Think about the, the properties that are most likely to be adapted. The ones that would work better as series films whatever so what are some thoughts that uh, you have for uh, things that we might see or things that if there's even something that you're like well i hope i see this yeah my friend was like we're gonna get a metroid series there's no way they're not gonna do it <laughs> that would be awesome and um and i think what they're gonna do is they're gonna try to mimic the mcu and like do a bunch of like single like they're gonna do the mario sequel really? but like these other movies they're gonna start to build a super smash brothers thing um, but what I'm excited for, and I think they're going to hold it until like the last possible second is I think we're going to get Ocarina of Time. I think we're going to get Legend of Zelda. You think that's going to be the first Zelda movie they do is Ocarina? It might be. I, I mean, it's the one that I'm the most familiar with. And I think it's it would be really interesting. I, I but, just wonder if you maybe start basic and you start with a more basic Link adventure. Although I guess you've just told the story about well you're not really rescuing a princess you're saving your brother so that's already a, you know but yeah i know what You've you're already saying done though. that yeah so uh i think that uh i don't think that they would you know just try and adapt the first legend of zelda game but i think that those stories that are you know the the link and, I, the and quest, then they'll suck them into in together yeah uh and jason blair has a suggestion uh he's figured it out that <laughs> wow, he is baby jessica he <laughs> so, is old. yeah he oh he's a, <laughs> Jason, I don't want to out you, but you're even older than me, barely. But he is older than me. Uh, but I do agree with this. I don't want the sequel to try and cram too much in. Like if we get Star Fox in there, it's going to be too busy. I don't and think finally, they're going to cram it in. No. For our Star Trek friends, a Mario Mirror Universe where he has a goatee 
and Michelle Yeoh somehow stars in it. Michelle Yeoh uh, should just star in everything. J- Jason, you say you're a year younger than me, but that's before you had triplets. Let's be honest. You're at least 15 years older than me now. Um, but uh, you turned 46 in May, whatever, you son of a... Anyway, um, <laughs> there's a... Look, what I the reason why I wanted to do a show on this movie and why I did a show on Dungeons & Dragons even though I'm not up to date and really into either of those franchises, they're just, they were fun movies that I really enjoyed. And probably because, you know, we had just done a show on Shazam, which everybody was just let down by, but not even really, cause we didn't expect it to be great. And it's uh, you know, and it was, it's just fun. I like that summer movie season started so early. It started in like mid March this year. Yeah. And these were two fun movies and uh, yeah, just uh, let us go sit in the movie theater and, and, you know, not get upset about anything. You know, let's just have fun yeah. and, you know, just take the time to adapt these properties, hire people who care about them to tell the stories. It's that simple, you know. Can I ask one and, more question before we go? Um, please, absolutely. When was the last time we saw a movie like this where you, you brought up like the tomato meter where sure. critics were obviously panning this thing long? Like the, when the teasers and the trailers were coming out, the audience reaction, the comments on YouTube, things like that were through the roof, yeah. um, with the exception of, you know, the Chris Pratt uh debate debacle whatever you want to call it where people we weren't didn't think he would be good and he turned out to be just fine um where the critic scores were so low and i know critics don't like certain movies that the fans do like marvel movies dc movies get that all the time where their critic rating isn't that good but the audience rating is pretty good um on the on the other occasions where the critics are are blessing a movie like the critics all are in love with this thing but the audience hates it but this time it's really different it's like it's it's kind of a clear line that a lot of the critics out there, you're wrong. Like people say, oh, it's always up to debate or, you know, interpretation. When you see a movie, you don't always listen to critics. You don't always listen to the audience. You go and you make your own decisions, whatever. But you're looking at this and the audience meter is almost at a hundred. And it's been at that for a long time. Like that's unreal for what the audience meter is. The critics meter was barely 50. I think yeah, at the last time I, I looked at right. it. Yeah. And everybody coming out of this movie there's nothing negative like that I've seen really there's nothing negative so looking at stuff online word of mouth from other parents and friends and who've seen all this and you come to the conclusion it's like well this is a movie where the critics seem to be obviously wrong with their assessment on this and like you said earlier maybe you're looking at this at, at the wrong way for this movie they're looking for this thing and it's like that's not what this is it's this thing and if you look at it this way it's 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 fantastic when was the last time we saw a movie like this where it was so obvious that the the review for it was wrong yeah i mean you can talk about disparities by i don't know 10 15 you know uh, I, that's not this and for it to be this far off, you see it the other way where the critics love something and audiences are like, yeah. what? And I don't know. I think that uh, that's part of the reason why I feel like the uh, the the lists, the invites for these screenings. I mean, it, it's different than it used to be. You know, when I used to go like 15 years ago, it was like, oh, that guy's from Variety. That guy's from the L.A. Times. Oh, there's Leonard Maltin. You know, it was that. And now it's like everybody that I know who has, you know, twitch and people that i knew from after buzz tv and all that they're all there and i'm like whatever they've done and, and this is specifically disney uh they're like what if we show these movies to people who might like them 
could we could we possibly uh, do that? Uh, Jason Blair's probably right. Uh, he thinks that critics wanted it to be like the Lego movie with lots of sarcasm and adult nods, but that works for Lego or for that story that they told. But I think that uh, this was the right approach. I don't know. I can't think of anything. Does anything come to mind for you, Kate? That uh, I, I don't. I don't want to answer for both of us, but I can't think of the last time they were this far off. But uh, I mean, I think of something. Um. I can think of things in the opposite direction. I also remember, yeah. I think like Last Jedi was like a 40, 50 point difference between critics and audiences, but that was the opposite In which way. direction? Because Critics uh, loved it. Critics gave it like a 91 and audiences yeah. were like at 43. Okay. That's, uh, Eternals that's... got a high critic rating and a low audience rating. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't Look Up got a, got a weird... Um, that's a, uh, yeah. that's a perfect uh, yeah, example. I think don't critics... look up. Don't look up is a perfect example where you're like, what? <laughs> but yeah, I think I, I think, uh, yeah, it was like the the critics liked it and the audiences didn't. Um, but you see that more often than not, where the critics will yeah. praise a movie, especially during award season stuff. You see some of the movies that get nominated, like okay, that got wait, that didn't get nominated or that didn't receive anything. Yeah. That I don't understand. Um, it's usually you do see critics love it. Audience doesn't. Um, um, I think Uncharted had had that same like fans of the of the game really liked it and critics didn't like it because they were like, oh, it's just too actiony. Um, OK. And I, then uh, I remember Mamma Mia having really low audience scores and Mamma Mia is still around. <laughs> well, I mean, they made a they made a sequel somehow. Yeah. But you know what? I bet the next movie that we'll see this happen with is uh, not far off. And that's Fast X. I think that critics are going to be like, <laughs> oh, come on. But the audience reaction will be like, if you're if you've oh. watched nine of those movies and I've I've seen half of one of them, it's just not my thing. Great for everybody who likes them. But National Treasure. It, Oh, National Treasure. And by critics, and it's beloved by fans. That sounds like a good one. But I bet that the Fast and Furious, the people who are actually spending their money to sit and watch a 10th one, are going to love it because that's what they want. They I'm going. I don't care about, about Fast exactly. and Furious, but I want Jason Momoa to blow up Vin Diesel. Well, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe some of us won't be uh, too disappointed uh, by that. But uh, in any case, uh, it was a fun movie and fun getting to uh, talk to both of you uh, about it. Uh, that's <clears throat> always the fun thing, putting different people together and uh, getting uh, just uh, some some different perspectives on all of this. Kate, if people want to find you, where do they do that and where do they find your film? Uh, I did a. A uh, movie about Rogue and Gambit called Uncanny, an ex-universe fan film. You can find it in my little doobie-doo right here on Instagram, and it will give you a link to the YouTube page. Woohoo, woohoo! Um, and that's and Uncanny can, Film for un, audio at audience. Uncanny Film for the audio audience. Um, U N C A N N Y F I L M. Uh, Most enjoy. Give me a, give me a follow. Don't know how to spell show. film, let alone uncanny. So I'm glad you spelled that. Spelled out the whole thing. Film it was also tricky. like written in front of me, so it helped. It wasn't like me trying to spell light motif an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, that was fun too. <laughs> God, uh, Eric Nagel, where can people keep in touch with you and find uh, your various programs? Uh, you can find me across the board on all the social media platforms at it's ITS Eric Nagel E R I K correct way not that with a c uh it's eric nagel uh, all one word on all the social media stuff um i do a show on iheart radio titled it's eric nagel every week uh you can find it uh, it's eric it's very easy all links together it's just that one word 
together.com at symbol, whatever you want, YouTube, Twitch, all those places. And I also have another show, like I said earlier, with Brian Johnson called Would You Kindly? You can find that on YouTube as well. And uh, yeah, it's arcnatal.com has the links to everything. And Christian was a guest on, uh, on Would You Kindly last week. And I think he's coming again this week so we can actually talk about our love for David Letterman. Yes. Uh, or, you know, who knows what uh, Brian will be uh, binging at that point. You know, it, it could it, it could actually be he's like he's like, I'm four seasons in on Father Dowling Mysteries. So I don't really know <laughs> what I could possibly uh, talk about apart from that at this point. Um, and you can, uh, as always, find me at Christian DMZ. Please subscribe to the Blackcast YouTube channel, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can find the Blackcast where you find your podcast. And uh, in addition to my appearance on Would You Kindly, this week I was also on Who Are These Podcasts? Episode ah, number Carl. 401 yeah. is the one with me, with our friend Carl Hamburger, who was a guest on this show some time ago. Uh, and the reaction to me appearing has always been positive and i feel very fortunate i'll knock on wood for that because uh that uh that, give it time uh, yeah i was gonna the, say when, that when you dance that, in that, this world long enough they they, they start yeah, to they that subreddit is just looking for an excuse however the reaction to the show that i picked that we analyzed which is called hey riddle riddle uh multiple people that. said that this might be the worst show that they've ever covered on who are these podcasts and i chose it it's actually a hugely successful show they get they have thousands of patrons uh, patreons and they also do live shows they just did one in la uh, uh so uh just well, because people like it doesn't mean it's upward. good what was that eric Listen, i'm glad to see that they're failing upward yeah but look, it's it, it it involves two things that I think nobody likes: riddles and improv comedy. So uh, <laughs> there you go, uh, and that comes from someone who is a reformed uh, improv comedian. I, I dabbled with it in college. You know, we all do things in college to try to experiment and find ourselves, and uh, we come out the other side all the better for it. Uh, in any case. Uh, we've got some fun conversations coming up in the next few weeks. We will be talking about uh, the finale, the final season, the end of the next generation characters for the final episode of Star Trek Picard. That is coming up this week. Also, are you, are you seeing the, it in the theater? Or are you watching it online? No, I'm just going to watch it at home. I was uh, I was waitlisted for the uh, IMAX screening, and uh, okay. I don't I don't stand in line wow. for a waitlist. Yeah, they didn't have any press passes or anything. They're like, no, sorry, it's sold out. No, they, sorry. At least they got back to me almost instantly when I asked. They were like, no, fuck you. But, you know, it was quick. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about uh, Mandalorian season three. I've already peeled back a couple of uh, minor criticisms of that season. So, uh, but uh, in base? general, what's that? Is it the fan base? Is that is that the minor criticism of, of Mandalorian? <laughs> no. okay. Which that's a show to do right there. I, I, Eric, you and I have talked about it. We've It's hard to wait who the worst fan bases are because at oh, a given moment in time. No, you it's always Star say Wars. it's Marvel, but I still think it's oh, Doctor dude. Who. It's I think the Doctor Wars, Who fan base is the worst. Doctor Who's turned around ever since they, uh, and it had nothing to do with Jodie Whittaker being the no. Doctor. It was Chris Chibnall or Chebnall, however you I, say his name, yep, ruining that, that franchise for the last three seasons because his writing sucked. His his accuracy to everything else was terrible. It is amazing. Like I think Rise of Skywalker like banded together the fans who liked Last Jedi and the fans who liked force awakens and it's like man it just takes one bad writer to like combine a fan base together it's just and then like when, you, when you up, when you upgrade that bad writer to showrunner and then it's re it all just falls out and everybody's saying no this it's like you just didn't like it because it's it's a it's a girl no. and you're saying it's woke it's like no the stories are bad you eliminated most of the history for the show and what i kept pointing out to people and they didn't want to listen i go 
You can find the information online. Their merch sales tanked for these yeah. three seasons. And again, yeah. feel bad for Jodie Whittaker. She shouldn't. She didn't deserve I, I, a lot of this stuff. I, but the I numbers she was very good on screen. It's when you don't see Doctor Who shit at Hot Topic, Hot Topic, yeah. you walk in, it's Pokemon, Harry Potter, Doctor Who. Like there's staples there. When you don't see any of that stuff there, and you go, yeah. the no, merchandise is is tanking. Gone. The BBC's freaking out. This guy is gone, and lo and behold, he was gone. They made all these changes. Whatever. Well, the worst and- fan base, yes, is Star Wars. It was. It used to be professional wrestling. Wrestling had the worst <laughs> fan base, and Star Wars somehow surpassed it. So Marvel's not even in the top three right now. But Hold it's up. Star Wars and then wrestling. Hold up. Yeah. Wrestling has the worst fan base. Yeah. Used to. He you said just used to. threw down. Like you just. <laughs> no, it didn't. It's me. been known for decades that wrestling, ever since the Attitude Era ended yeah, with WCW, the Diva WWE, Revolution would not have happened without the fan base. Roman Jason Blair's it also got it also got squashed just as fast after that. Jason Blair's making a point oh. that the worst fan base of gay is Game of Thrones, and he's They're right in one enough. one aspect is that uh I have talked about just not interested, and I know people love that show. It's just not my thing. Uh, so I don't I don't watch it. I haven't watched it. And usually that reaction when I tell people that is they want to fight me because like, no, you have to watch it. I'm like, no, I don't. I just, I just don't think I would like it. It, it, Just watch game of Jones. Just watch Leslie Jones. Talk about game of Thrones. Like I think I would probably enjoy that a lot more. It's so much fun. (laughs) And then they they get to the end. And then Seth Myers asks her, like, what do you think about people who don't like the ending? He's like, they can make their own show. They made this one. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Uh, but uh, just to put a put a button on all this and a button on uh, Doctor Who, there's a handful of episodes that I think over the last three years that were good, and those are the ones where Michael, if you if you were to take it and have put any of the previous reboot Doctors in it, the episode still would have been just as good. Those are the ones that were written well. You know, there's a there's a lot of stuff that uh, that they did throughout the year. I mean, if you say the time British child, guy is Martin Luther down. King. I mean, what? There's no American actors they could have hired to play. That was a Quantum Leap episode. That that one they did with um, uh, Rosa Parks. Yeah. The the doctors defending Rosa Parks from a a, a potential. That was a Quantum Leap episode. That was not a Doctor Who episode. That's and made no fucking sense with the, the whole entire world and none of a lot of doctor who doesn't make any sense sorry to curse i did not mean to curse no it's it okay yeah, on a this lot show, of doctor who doesn't make any sense it's, like it's not a show you can just drop in because there's 60 years of history with that but the way they wrote that episode like there's no point to this sam no, leaped none. into the doctor's body and now is putting right what once went wrong so that this situation happened Thank you. Doesn't make any sense. I yeah. agree with it's, you. And if you it's, complain about that, they were saying, "Oh, you're racist. Or you're a bigot. You're th- <laughs> no. The writing no, no, was no, no, terrible. No. It made it no sense bad. for her to be there." Yeah. Although I do have to say that as crappy as Star Wars fans can be, like yeah. I am a Star Wars fan, and like sure. across, I the think board, we all are to some extent. To some extent, you know? yes. Obi Wan was a fan. bad show, and it and the writing for that poor seventh sister not seventh sister the sister yeah oh the yeah and uh you're talking about the kenobi show the kenobi show the the seventh yeah. sister the third sister whatever yeah. her whatever designation whatever her she was, was. I, the I writing of her was empirically bad and it didn't yeah. give her a lot to work with so no. I, that's what the fans didn't like like yes there was some racism but like and like don't lump us in because it's like the show was poorly written the character was poorly written you didn't give her anything to work with or something to build toward like 
like it's just bad. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just no, bad. I agree. And, bad and, writing. Yeah, and I think it. That's the important thing is you need to be able to highlight when something that you really like is bad and has gotten bad, and you don't need to, you know, unless you made it and you want to be defensive of something that you put your own, you know, somebody that worked on a show and people didn't like a season and they're like, well, they feel defensive. Okay. That's, but if you're just a fan of something and you're like, well, I usually like this thing, but then they made a movie or a series or whatever that I didn't like. It's fine. You can say it fine. or right. you could also just keep it to yourself. If, if you're like, Oh, I don't want people to know I didn't like it. Great. Great. You know? It's also anyway. you have to be able to articulate why something is not good yes. or why something is yes. bad. If you, have if you points... just say hatred into the internet, which Star Wars fans are very good at just throwing <laughs> hatred into the internet, like the dark side. But like, but like, if you you have to be able, which is why I really like listening to podcasts and why I think this platform is really important. You have to be able to say why don't you like it? How could it be better? What changes could be made? What structurally wasn't correct? What shots weren't right? How could they have done it better? Because we're going to get these, you know, Doctor Who's not going away. Star Wars isn't going away. Star Trek, hopefully not going away. Like we're going to get these and hopefully people like me who love I them mean, will work on them. So right. it's like this is just feedback of and like fan casting and what would we do better as opposed to just like I didn't like it. So Paramount. I highly Paramount. recommend no matter what fan base you're from, when you don't like something ask yourself why try to articulate yeah. it try to figure out where right. they're coming from if you have the points you have like it shows that you put some thought into it maybe some research into it and you crafted your opinion and you go and you say i don't like this oh again with doctor who i didn't like the the jody whitaker uh error i didn't like it oh you're racist you're sexist no the you're showing the showrunner was terrible. The writing was terrible. And the merchandise sales dropped, meaning a lot of people didn't like what this is. That's where I'm coming from. As a viewer who's watched it forever, right. I'm telling you why I didn't like it. And you just because you're new to it or you really love it. And that's fine. Everything's up for debate, for discussion, whatever. It's when you say I am absolutely right and you're absolutely wrong, no matter which side on you there. And it goes now you're lost, too, because this doesn't represent the argument this doesn't represent yeah. the discussion or the fan base or any of this other stuff it's just you're being an asshole you're being an asshole nothing's ever going to get resolved here and that's where this toxic shit comes from yeah, yeah. to uh just uh put a button put a bow on everything you know the a great button, example yes a great example of this is uh somebody that i know really well and uh, eric knows a little bit uh my friend uh, Tom Kelly does a podcast called the Tom Kelly show, and he's going to be on very soon on the Good. podcast because he's out here in Los Angeles. Yay. But he did an episode uh, that was started by a back and forth with the production designer of Star Trek Picard, who ended up going on his podcast and didn't really try to defend their work. But he puts the question to Tom, well, why don't you like it? And I think that that's the most important exchange in the like 50 minute conversation. Uh, the guy's name is David Blass. And I say uh, it's a huge shout out to that guy for like taking the time. It's interesting because I like the show and I can't get him to come on my show. So I guess I needed to say that I didn't like it, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that's, that's fine all the same, but it's a, it's a great conversation that I think people who like this show, especially are, are friends who like Star Trek to begin with, but you know, this conversation on fandom and just sort of uh, it's a episode 286 called trolling Star Trek Picard of the Tom Kelly show. And uh, you can find that where you find your podcast, but what you really need to do is find the black cast, find it's Eric Nagel, find 
uh, would you kindly? And uh, Kate has a Star Trek show that uh, I know that uh, will be uh, popping back up We're on the Geekscape Network. Yeah, exactly. But uh, uh, in any case, uh, so much fun. Obviously, we could uh, keep talking about uh, all this and more, which is uh, always the fun. But uh, that's all the time we have for now. We will see you next time on <gasps> the Blackcast. Order's ready. Peaches, 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 for listening to the bladcast don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel the bladcast that's b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t you can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found like the bladcast on facebook follow at bladcast on twitter and instagram and of course the man responsible for what you just heard is on twitter and instagram at christian dmz i'm farad muhammad and if you want me to voice your podcast intro you can find me at twitter and instagram at f-a-r-d M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Well, this has been the Bladcast. I am I your host. <laughs> you can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. The Bladcast. Welcome to the stream. Who are you? One of the best podcasts you can ever see, the Blackcast. Whoop-dee-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Bladcast with me and Carl. It was a great show. Who was the guest that got Cardiff to do the uh, mommy drinkers thing? Oh, I don't remember. Christian Blatt. Christian, Christian Blatt. Mm-hmm. I have to say, it is high-level trolling of him to out Mr. Potato Head as a Canadian in that he made him say the word out at least seven times reading those questions. It was amazing. I wasn't sure. I was like, Minnesota, maybe. No, no, no. Clearly Canada with that. Minnesota. So that was that was really great. Thank you, Christian. I Curtis, what it. is wrong with you today, buddy? It's time for everyone's favorite game show to catch an alien. Are you ready to play to catch an alien? Christian? That's me. <laughs> Who I've never heard <laughs> hey. of before. So when I was talking to Christian Blatt uh, this past week, he did the show with us, and he was uh, complaining that he had been listening to Howard Stern that morning, and Howard Stern had the rock band Kiss on their show. Aha. Uh-huh. You like Kiss, Eric? Ah, uh, take it or leave it. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500 last time I checked. And then I put out the announcement that I'm going to have in talk on the show. And our very own Christian Blatt from the Geekscape Book Club, which you can find right here on this podcast network, was like two of my favorite people talking to each other. And I was like, okay, well, if Christian Blatt knows her, 
then she's cool in my book. And I think the black cast himself is in the comments over there on YouTube saying, as I said on Facebook, one of my favorite people talking to one of my other favorite people. So I will not wait. And let's get one of Christian Blatt's favorite people in here to talk to one of his other favorite people. Hello, fellow favorite person of Christian Blatt. How are you? Hi, other fellow (laughs) favorite person of Christian Blatt. (laughs) How do you know Christian? I got to know that. I recently was on the black cast talking about one of the more recent episodes of the season three of Picard. And also we just did like a strange new worlds trivia night over in Hollywood the other day. And it was so much fun. (laughs) Nobody invites me to anything. Christian (laughs) strange new worlds is my star Trek. Goodbye everybody. Goodbye. We're closed.